0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Power365 Show. My prediction is that this could be one of the smartest individuals we've ever had on the show. No pun intended. We sit down today to have a chat with Walter Sun, the founder of Bing Predicts and currently General Manager of Market Insights at Microsoft. This is a fantastic topic that is really just the beginning of its story. Let's delve a little deeper into how AI is transforming industry via social and web insights and what the future could possibly hold. Full show notes can be found at nz365guy.com forward slash 87. Now let's get on with the show. Hi, Walter. Welcome to the Power 365 show.
1: Thanks for having me, Mark.
0: So good to have you on here. I'm I'm keen to talk about your, you know, your area of expertise in Microsoft around market uh, insights Mm -hmm. uh, and market intelligence. But before we do that, can you tell us a bit about your life, your family? um, You know, what do you do when you're not working?
1: Sure. I really enjoy sports, both participating and watching. Uh, my wife, daughter, and I enjoy playing basketball and tennis together. We also do some hiking. I personally also like to run and swim. Uh, I'm doing more okay. of the latter. You know, it's just better on my knees, and we're not getting younger.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So run and swim. Yeah yeah swimming they say is really good for your joints, isn't it? it doesn't put the stress on like you know impact type sports
1: yeah I mean I, you know I used to, people used to complain to me about how bad it things are in the knee basketball or whatever on hard courts, mm-hmm. and i didn't really understand it, but now as I get older, I realize I can feel the difference so I think swimming really helps um, it gives yeah. me exercise without without the pain on my knees
0: yes, yeah, yeah, so true, so true. So have you always lived in seattle
1: um I've actually moved quite uh, all over the place i've actually um I grew up in the Southeast and uh, Midwest growing up. And then um, I did my graduate work in Boston and I've worked in New York, California, um, Minnesota, and, and Washington state. So I, I've kind of moved around uh, different parts of the country. Yeah.
0: Wow. Well, wow. so tell me a bit about kind of what you did. Like I know that you study at MIT, yeah, sure. uh, you've done a lot of research, um, you know, in the area that I suppose affects your work now, but can you tell me a bit about your your, your journey, and um, kind of what you did to ultimately leading to moving into Microsoft.
1: Sure. So I did my undergraduate work at Georgia Tech in, in, in Atlanta, um, studying electrical engineering, um, doing um, specialties in signal processing and image processing. Um, and then I went to MIT in Boston to do my master's, um, again, in speech processing and image processing. And between my master's and PhD, I, I went to work in industry. Uh, I worked in New York City, worked in... Um, a finance company doing quant work, and then I moved to California to work on in, in signal processing at Apple. I worked on similar early versions of QuickTime, wow. uh, and then I went to join a startup company where we built the uh, DSL modems. This is late '90s, wow. so we're wow. actually yeah, one yeah. of the first um, companies to build router modem routers at home. So it was kind of interesting because, you know, I'd go to CES and we'd talk to customers and and we'd explain about this, this router and people would say, you know, it's very nice, but, you know, people at home don't need more than one IP address. <laughs> and, you, and you think about it, you know, it's the late nineties that people never yeah. thought that they needed more than one, you know, one device at home. So, um, nowadays, you know, people have hundreds of IP addresses at home, everything, their toaster, their refrigerator, everything is as IP. So it's kind of neat to see how things, things have moved around. Anyway, after that, I went back to MIT to finish my PhD. And then, um, after I finished my PhD, I looked at um, professorship positions as well as industry roles. Uh, you know, I enjoyed teaching and research, but I also thought that building products was a lot of fun um, from the experience at Apple and and, and the startup company. And, and so I learned from work experiences between my master's and PhD that are something that I might want to do more of. So Microsoft offered me a position working on Codex, which is a, a good match to my PhD work in image processing along with the prior work experience you know, at, at Apple and QuickTime, for instance. And codecs are algorithms which encode and decode multimedia primarily to offer more efficient storage and transmission. And so that, that area kind of worked, was a good, a good area of work in, you know, back then. That was 14 years ago. And, and that kind of brought me into Microsoft. Um, within Microsoft, I worked in the codec team for a few years, and I moved into multimedia search. So the, the multimedia theme was in common there. Um, so, so it's a natural transition. And then when I was in multimedia search, I um, did some work, and then moved into web search, where, where I, I was... Um, improving and maintaining the first version of our web crawler, which is a program that downloads and indexes the public web. And this will kind of come into play later when you hear a little bit more about what I'm doing in Market Insights. Um, and the in time, I also became a lead, and my team and I built out the first end-to-end pipeline for surfacing new results in a search engine. So, you know, nowadays, people assume all the latest information is in search engines, but, you know, years ago, decades ago, you know, the first search engines were more of like directory services, and we're just kind of building out the idea of, showing new results, news on, on a site, so you can get it all in one place rather than having to go to news sites or whatever to get your news. Mm, mm, mm,
0: mm. So so, so, is a lot of your experience then in Microsoft being in the Bing side of things?
1: Um, the experience, yeah, a, a couple of years in Codex, which is kind of multimedia image processing, and then uh, several years in Bing. And Bing involved a lot of information retrieval, uh, machine learning, some some early deep learning work, which we're continuing now. Um, but yeah, then from, from Bing, I moved over to to uh, apply this technology that I'm working on. Um, well, I guess the, the basic idea is that in Bing, I started a project called Bing Predicts, which is a, a project that um, uses leverages web signals. Um, so basically, search search data as well as IE and Edge browse signals, um, yep. all anonymized and aggregated, and as well as the web cache. Um, because we run a search engine, we have a copy of the you know copy of the public web. Um, and so all that information is used to, to look at um, what's happening publicly, and using that information to to make inferences about what cons- consumers are doing in wow. aggregate. Wow. Yeah. And so that's kind of how we moved from Bing into into this um, enterprise work in terms of it's called market intelligence now or market insights. And so the idea is that. The same predictions that we can do in, in in Bing that we showed for reality shows and, and elections and other things, we can also do for enterprise companies. We help them inform them what's happening on the web, what's the pulse of of their products and brands, and that's kind of what wow. we're, we're doing now. Yeah.
0: Wow! 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 So we got, we'll drill into that a bit more. But how sure. did you actually transition into into the Microsoft Biz, biz application team?
1: Yeah, a good question. I think um, the, the initial work we did um, in Bing Predicts, I guess it's. To make it kind of uh, demonstrative for, for, for every, everyday users, we, we did predictions on public events first. So as I mentioned, the reality shows and um, and elections and, and sports, in fact, and, and that kind of just set the tone. You know, if people ask us, hey, what what is this, you know, capability have? We can demonstrate and say, look, using the signal, we can actually predict who wins American Idol with very high precision, right? And, and these type of things. And so we did that. And once we finished doing that, we continue to use similar technology, the same technology to apply to, to enterprise, you know, market insights, you know, how do we help marketing teams or sales teams understand more about their customers? You know, the same way you can predict what the popular, what a popular vote is on, you know, three or four contestants on a TV show. It's the same as helping a company look at their three products or four products in their product line saying, which of these products resonates best with the customers, which demographics like my High-end shoe versus my my entry-level shoe, or which demographics likes this new, new 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 product that we're we're, we're trying to sell.
0: Yeah, yeah, wow, that's so powerful. It's so powerful. So <laughs> across your career, what's been the kind of highlight achievements that that have made you most proud so far?
1: Yeah, I think um you know from work, I think getting that Bing Predicts project off the ground was 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 a was good because it you know it, it evolved into in the market insights and it was satisfying because it involved. Uh, a ton of pitch sessions and a lot of iterations to get to where we are today you know convincing people that it was worth doing i think um i feel like it's a, a lifetime's worth of sweat equity to put yeah, into yeah, it. yeah. Uh, so i'm really happy <laughs> to, you know to do that i think um uh, away from work I, I you know i've been working with elementary and middle school children on preparing them for math competitions and tournaments you know i used to do these competitions myself and i really enjoyed them but i think what's more interesting is i'm finding it you know maybe even more satisfying watching students i work with compete because. Partially scalable, you know, you get more people doing it than just myself. And and I really believe that, you know, being proficient and competent in math is very foundational. and something that I think the next generation is losing out on because of calculators, computers, and, you know, just the lack of a need to add things up in real time in, in daily life.
0: Wow, wow. So good, so good, so good that you're, you know, you've got that outlet as, you know, outside the company as well. So I love it. I love it. But let's um talk about market insights. What it what is market insights? I know it's a it's a new uh, term that we've you know come out in the last six or so months that I think I've I've started seeing it. Yes. And what's your involvement with that technology?
1: Our mission is to enable our customers to understand what consumers say, seek, and feel about brands and products. Um, the market insights product is a marriage of two product technologies. The first is uh, Microsoft social engagement, which uh, many of your listeners might be familiar with, since it came from the Netbreeze acquisition. And it's been in production by Dynamics 365 for the past five years. And that, that product ingests multiple social sources. You know, we have forums, news sources, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Reddit, YouTube, Discuss, et cetera. And we derive insights on what's happening in real time on the web in the social space. The second aspect is that Bing predicts work, which I mentioned a little bit earlier, which takes aggregated and anonymized search data such so that... Thats that from Bing, as well as opted in anonymized and aggregated browse data from Internet Explorer and Edge to better understand web activity. Uh, finally, we also leverage the fact that, you know, since we have a search engine, we have a copy of the web, public web. So we can use that to look at forums, blogs, and news sites quickly to understand how things are evolving. Um, and my involvement in it is, you know, I have, having a background in data science and engineering, my early involvement was prototyping and building predictive models in Bing Predicts. Um, so I think one of the fun things about these ML models is that you can compare against actual results very quickly when the events themselves are happening. So, so it's quite fun doing that. Um, but going deeper on your question about technology, we build the in-house algorithms which process billions of data points. And um, you know we have the unique data, as, as I mentioned earlier, and also the rare expertise for processing web-based signals. Uh, the social engagement team has had years of experience building sentiment models for social, and the Bing Predicts team has years of experience working in Bing, building web search rankers and document processors. So, all of this expertise when you put these minds together you know allows us to convert a large quantity of data into digestible relevant actionable information for our customers
0: wow wow so so i just want to um, kind of drill into a couple of key concepts you came up there uh okay. with. one one is signal which is you know we know it's really important too much information is like having no information if you can't find that's you know right. what what you're looking for so so a lot of your algorithms i take it are dealing with getting the signal clean if you like right from a, that's right uh getting the noise out of it and then on insights do you see that uh when we look at kind of use cases for this you've mentioned you know uh various brands that want to monitor their brands mm-hmm. would also there be the opportunity to monitor for example your competitors brands and in your know, key product lines that might compete with yours what other use cases do you see around the insights
1: yes good questions so the first question that's your first question the, the idea is that you know we're starting with um raw data, right? So for instance, you look at a, a, a Twitter feed, you get a lot of information, a ton of information, and just finding everything you need is difficult. So the first step of our processing is to create signals. So we take, you know, all of our search data and anonymize and aggregate and create uh, a signal such as like, this is a trend happening in the state of California or, or in Twitter, the social sentiment for your product is positive, 25% positive, And this is the, this is the reason. That's the first step. The next stage beyond that, Is to take these signals and create insights meaning that you know first thing you know after you have some signals saying hey 25 percent of people like your product in california for instance the insight might be hey did you realize that your your ad campaigns on the west coast of america are more resonating better than the ones on the east coast right so that's an insight and then once we can build out good insights we want to go to the next step of providing recommended actions and this would be kind of initially maybe something simple and soft just to get people's confidence that we have the right idea, you know, for instance, like in this same example, maybe that you want to recommend doing advertising campaigns in a different part of the country. Um, later on, when we actually, you know, have more information and understand the customer better, we can even provide more deeper insights, maybe offering specific recommendations, which hopefully they can take. So that's kind of the, you know, the end of the story. So the, the customer example would be, you know, anyone in, in marketing or sales that wants to know a little bit more about their competitors or their current products. You know, there are existing products out there that can let you look at your own product. You know, you can track your websites and information, get analytics there. But since we actually aren't in that, in, in doing that, we actually look at everything on the web. We can look at all your competitors. And that's valuable in a couple of ways. One way is, like you said, just knowing day to day how they're doing, what they're releasing. Um, we have an alert service that we're releasing in April that you can actually track their, their names and get emails every day about them. Um, but I think in addition to that, you can also look at like using use them as a proxy for launches. Suppose you're p- producing a new product line, you know, and you don't have any prior products. So you don't know like how, how, your, how your campaigns or your announcements will resonate with the customers. You can actually look at related products from competitors and look at their, their releases and their announcements and, and look at the correlation to extrapolate how your, your release will do. And that's kind of one of the things that we want to help you with, you know, help customers with. If you have... This is my first time I'm, I'm, a, I'm selling a new shoe, but hey, shoe companies exist out there. So this shoe is meant to be a lot like, you know, competitor A's specific shoe. So let's look at how they released this shoe nine months ago. They had this, you know, special announcement in New York City and they did X, Y, and Z. Maybe we do X, Y, and Z too. And let's compare the, the, the volume of interest on the web. If the volume of interest on the web is 50% of the other one, then maybe the sales volume initially will be half. You know, that's kind of a, an idea we we're going about. So yeah, awesome. yeah
0: interesting so one of the other things you said there was around you know understanding what people say think and feel that's that's one of your goals that's right A- and and i can understand say right that's yes. that's pretty straightforward if someone yes. says something we've, we've, they've searched for something they've they've spoken something done an audio search whatever it might be that that's easy to to if, if you like understand think and feel that's interesting right to me that's interesting so w- w- when you what what does this mean when you articulate how people think. Let's just take think to start with, and then we'll unpack feel. How how how, how do you get that information?
1: Like you say seek and feel. I'm sorry, not think. Ah, seek. seek as in like searching, yeah.
0: So say seek and feel. Okay, I'm yes. glad I clarified that. Sorry um, about that. Because um, I, I love it that our AI is already at that point that we can think, which uh, I
1: know,
0: I, I know <laughs> yeah. we're a few few years away. I'll give it to 2025, and I'm pretty sure it'll be there by that point. But That's right. um. But okay, so seek once again. I can understand that. Then, so let's unpack yep. feel because uh, obviously sure. there are signals that you're picking up that do um, kind of indicate sentiment or how someone's feeling.
1: That's um right.
0: so So how does that work for you?
1: Right. Good question. So you know, in a sense, say say is what social people are saying on social. Seek is what people are doing on the web, whether it be yep. you know on on search engines or, or in their browsers. Mm-hmm. Is the idea of you know, understanding sentiment, and so we, we have a lot of machine learning algorithms. We're doing some deep learning. Um, you know, we have some long short term memory models, which are used to help understand context of, of phrases. So people have short phrases on Twitter or, or short phrases on search, and if, if on Twitter you say, you know, so-and-so is killing it. You know that, that, We have so-and-so. We identify so-and-so as an entity, whether it be a product or brand. And then we actually look at the surrounding text to understand what the, the sentiment is. And and the word "killing" is interesting too, because that actually term actually is usually considered negative. But we have to actually understand the context that you know, in colloquial terms, that could actually mean something that's, that's actually cool or good. So our algorithms use you know, learn over time with millions of samples what people are saying and what that means. You know, does that does that kind of phrase typically connotate a positive feeling to that brand or a negative feeling? And then we can put it all together to help. You understand how people feel about your brand and products.
0: Yeah. Interesting. It's as in, you know, I, I originate from New Zealand and I noticed being up here in the British culture and even um, Irish, I notice it to some degree as well. We use sarcasm a lot, you know, and sarcasm, <laughs> uh, but with people, uh, it was interesting. I was just out this weekend. I had a friend over from um, France and yeah. she, the sarcasm was just a hundred percent lost on her. And, and, you know, I, I lived in Australia for um, four years and Australians as a rule, you know, they just don't get sarcasm um, at, at all. And, and the thing is, is that when you then like, you know, because I've worked with um, Microsoft Social Engagement for a long time, yes, yeah. you would see these type of, you know, messaging coming through. And of course, yes. it struggled to understand the context, you know, around sarcasm. So is there kind of any advancements, not necessarily that you're doing right now with Market Insights, but just in the industry in general around how you pick up those nuances of language?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think that the the point is that, you know, with machine learning, the idea is the machines will learn typically, you know, for instance, we I mentioned earlier, we do some kind of analysis of the user, so we can actually do demographic breakdown. So maybe we can understand that, for instance, I, was using, I don't know if this is true, but I'll make an example. You know, 25 and maybe 18 to 24 year olds, when you say killing it is actually a positive, whereas a 55 to 64 year old, which says something is killing it, that's actually a negative thing. So the machine learned model is actually, you don't have to actually know that's the fact, but the machine can know for itself. The machine says, hey, you've given me a lot of samples of people, and it seems to be younger people when they use the word, this particular phrase, it's a positive connotation. You're giving me the same thing for people 55 and older, and it seems to be a negative connotation. So so there is that, that, that value in terms of understanding, you know, is a sarcasm? Is this, is this a positive term, negative term? There is one thing which I, I tell people, which is interesting, is that if you and I as humans can't tell if someone's sarcastic, then it's hard for machines. Sometimes we can't tell, right? Like I, I could tell you something half-jokingly, and, and you might be like, hmm, is he joking or not joking? Right? Yeah. Or especially if it's in text, because there's no yeah 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 exactly. So, yeah, so I think the interesting thing, I think, with speech, I think there's a lot more ability to understand intonations, inflections, whereas with text, if you say, yeah, I'm killing it, and you're like, hmm, is that is a that negative? I think that um, there are advancements to, to understanding, you know, as I mentioned, context-specific or, gen, uh, or demographic-specific. But I think there is still the idea that machines can only get as good as, as humans, basically. I mean, I know there's some things that can do better, but I think if you think about it, if it's really hard for a human to tell, it also becomes quite hard to teach a machine to tell a difference
0: yeah 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 and and i suppose that if you added into that mix all the various languages in the world it just it's another whole complex layer of the top
1: that's right and you mentioned a good example of culture where different cultures have different ways of expressing sarcasm or, or you know some things are maybe some people say certain things in a joking way and other people don't don't realize so so it, that that part i think machines can learn machines can say hey i know you're from new zealand or i know you're you know so that can help but i think that at the same time it, what's interesting is just you know people Understanding that it is a hard problem by, by virtue of the fact that if it's a problem a human being can't easily discern, then it's actually a very hard problem for a machine to discern.
0: Yeah, But we're yeah, doing our yeah. best
1: to make it as, as good as possible, of course, Yeah, getting it close to, you know, starting to get as good as humans can detect and then hopefully even doing better, but, but it, yeah. it's, it's tough.
0: It should theoretically always get better, right, in time, isn't because you know, right. A greater data set than any one human could potentially tap into.
1: Correct. Um,
0: so, okay, so very interesting. So another question that I have, which, um, you know, slightly off topic, is how to ask an effective question to market insights, right? It's easy if it's going to like, you know, brand A has brand B and they've got, you know, this range of products, yeah, uh, you know, I, it's something we know what it is. But what happens when it's, you know, it's when we drill into like the ontology of a word or a phrase, yes. and it's the nuances around it. So I might say, you know, a blue car. But yes. that was it. A you know, what make a car was it? What model a car was it? What, what you know, um, what color of blue was it? Sky blue? Was it ocean blue? Like, there's a mm-hmm. whole bunch of nuances around the concept of a blue car. How right. do you unpack? You know, um, yes. enabling customers to potentially ask the system the right questions.
1: Yes, yeah. One of the features we're, we're shipping in April is um, a feature we call assisted query, and the idea behind that is that. Kind of like what you're talking about in terms of like understanding what, what shade of blue you have. There are a lot of terms that may be ambiguous. So, for instance, let's look at the word eagles. Um, the first thing a assisted query does, which you may be familiar with search engines or even you know, editors, you know, if you use Microsoft Word or, or Bing, is if you start typing eagles and you type E-A-G, by the time you hit G, the word eagles is a suggestion pops up. Um, that, so that's, you know, that's good to finish. But I think what we also, you know, you want to make sure you, we know that that's the intent of your word. But besides that, there's actually multiple intents of what, it, what eagles could be. So in our product, because we're looking at products and brands, we would give you suggestions for three potential things, possibly even more. But, you know, the, the first thing is we offer you the professional American football team in Philadelphia. There's also a 70s rock band and then there's the animal, right? So, so what we would do is when you start typing eagle, you type E-A-G would pop up, you know, Uh, on the drop-down, different options. Hey, do you want the the football team? Do you want the rock band? Or do you want an animal? And if you select it, um, we would provide enough extra context around that search term to make sure that the information you get is related only to that. So, for instance, you know, if you type in Eagles and you click on the professional football team, we would actually put, you know, tags like, you know, uh, American football, Philadelphia, which is where the the team is based, you know, um, and and different things. Whereas if you want a rock band, you know, we may, it'll, it'll be, things related to music. And then if you like the animal, then, you know, certainly it'll just be related to the eagles, to animal. And so the idea is you have the ability to do that. And in addition to that, once we can get to know you better as a user, the models can actually learn. Like if you're other topics, let's say you're tracking eight topics and the other seven, first seven topics are all music related. And then the eighth time you type EAG, we would probably say, Hey, the first recommendation is the rock band, because we're thinking you're looking at seven rock bands. If you're like, looking at sports teams all around the world, then the, the Philadelphia Eagles would be probably the most likely context. And if you're a zookeeper and you know, you're looking at a bunch of animals, then Eagles the animal would be kind of what we show. So that's kind of how we do some basic understanding you know, of what you're looking for. We also look at, we look at surrounding text as well as past information you've done to, to build um, what they call a prior model or you know, just a, a clue as to what you're interested in and not interested in.
0: Yeah, interesting, interesting. So is your focus now at this point to target really, you're talking about, you know, product-based research or uh, brand-based research? As in just, you know, in the past, kind of the use cases that I had, you know, in the former product MSE was around uh, uh, potential crimes being committed in market? um, as in using social media, you know, Hmm. platforms, et cetera, to communicate those. So therefore we were definitely looking at the nuances of word because, you know, someone's not going to talk about drugs and use the word drugs. They're going to use, you know, street names for those words, hence why building out ontology. And then the other one was around, you know, let's say there was an outbreak, um, of a disease of some sort and, or, there was a um, people started getting sick because they were um, consuming a certain food or medicine. And all of a sudden people started, you know, whether, you know, on various social platforms talking about this, you could, uh, you know, the technology would allow you to see a pattern forming, you know, mm-hmm. the keyword density, that type of thing. Are you, right. are you are you thinking now that you're moving away from that type of model and just focusing on um, the use case being, um, around uh, understanding the market, you know, as that's the name now, um, Uh, marketing slash brands, that type of thing, rather than those. Because there's purpose-built products definitely out there for those other, you know, scenarios that us gave. Um, So do you see you've you've doubled down on focusing on the market as such?
1: Yes, I I believe what you said is correct. We are focusing more on brands and products, signals and aggregate, you know, understanding all that information in in, in kind of a – an aggregate format rather than individual social care where you're saying, like you said, you're looking at John Doe posted something on there and you need to respond to him or or, or take action on this specific individual. It's more like, hey, five hundred thousand people are talking about something on, on on Twitter and we can still give you individual examples when we're not getting rid of the fact that you, you know people want to be convinced that these are real signals like hey there are 500,000 people complaining about your product and here's 11 examples so we'll do that but, but our goal isn't for you to go talk to each of these people individually so you're right the market is kind of looking at what's happening in aggregate on the market based off of both social and, and web you know search signals and, and mm-hmm. yeah, so,
0: so can you give us some examples you know of industries that you really see this landing effectively in
1: yep I think looking in, you know, the marketing departments is something that people think. You know, there's a lot of money spent in market research, market analysis. Um, you know, even even look at doing advertisements and and so one of the things that we we feel like is really important is oftentimes you you do an ad campaign. It could be it doesn't have to be digital. It can be on linear on TV and and you want to know immediately what to, what do people think about it and so. A lot of people actually search on the web. If it's interesting, they'll go online. They'll either tweet about it. You know, if they're excited, they'll tweet and say, hey, "I really love this commercial about you know John and John Doe and Jane Smith were on this on TV," and we really liked this thing. Or you might go on search engine and say, hey, "I'm searching for this product. I don't really understand what this product is." And so, we can quickly give you insights, give marketing people insights in terms of how well their their campaigns landed. I mean, both in terms of sometimes it's like very popular and doesn't land well because people don't know what the product is. So if people are searching, "What is?" Product X do or what is this product X? Then then it actually might not be good because you actually got people wondering, but they don't know what you're trying to land, you know, the message you're landing. So that's that's one area, marketing, marketing managers, you know, campaign managers, that that area. Um, the sales the, the, the sales team is also another area. I think might might, might value this. So we've talked to customers who have interested in saying, hey, look, our, our sales force goes out to talk to customers all the time, and they have so many customers to deal with. You know, it would be nice if you could help give them like summaries. You know, so let's say you you have three customer meetings face to face this afternoon, and you haven't had a chance to do you know a lot of research on it. It would be nice if you can just go in our our product and quickly get summaries of you know product company A is focused on these four products, they want to advertise in these areas, and so when you go out to talk to them, you know exactly what they care about. Company B, you know, recently just signed a deal with a competitor, so keep that in mind. So you go in there and talk to them and say, look. Hey, you know, we know you signed a deal with our competitors. Can you try try our product? And this is the reason. Maybe we give them differentiators. Hey, the reason that they claim they, they, they publicly spoke about um why they chose your competitor was because of you know cheaper pricing or whatever. And maybe you can go in and talk to them about some kind of opportunities there. And so those are the type of things that, that um we think would be useful. You go, you go, you you talk to salespeople who can to make their lives easier in terms of providing them what's publicly available about about, you know, the, the group. I think um, it even works at an individual level. Some of the stuff we're doing is also, you know, you go the companies, you want to understand what do they care about, right? And if you're me- if you have a meeting, you can join some of the data we have with the LinkedIn data, since that's part of, you know, Microsoft. You can say, look, we know you're meeting with a marketing manager, uh, a sales person, and a person in, you know, an HR, for instance, right? And so then when you go in there, you both have a summary from the market about what this company does, who they bought, what they care about, as well as what each of these persons that you're going to meet with does, so you can just kind of better target your message to each of them. Yeah. meet them.
0: Excellent, excellent. So so tell me a bit about the you, – you, you touched on Bing Predicts a, a couple of times, but I just want to understand. So the data is not just based on, um, you know, the web cache or, you know, the public web, but you're also um, uh, obviously taking telemetry signals, um, uh, which are – you know, have no personal data in it, but you're taking telemetry systems from um, Internet Explorer and edge browsers. Um, and and is that feeding into your kind of predictive models? Is, is, is that what the case is? is? Are those the only other two sources or are there uh, more?
1: The two of, of of many sources, but I think, yeah, those are two big sources. And, and the way it works, as you mentioned, is we have you know all the data we have from search is anonymized and aggregated, so we don't deal with any individual searches or even know who they are, but we're taking a look at like, you know, what are people searching for, what documents they click on. And so the idea is that you, there's actually you know, some of the work we've done in context is that you know, once you get a, a handful of searches and, and documents people click on, we can predict with decent confidence their gender, you know, age range, reading level, even political affiliation, and wow. so Wow. And so that's why you know by by doing this, it's valuable to kind of help. It's actually yeah. valuable to the customer too. Right? If we understand what customers are looking for, then the the people make the products can build stuff people want, right? Like one of the things, like one of the things I was thinking about when I was trying to buy a car when I lived in California was I wanted um, traction control, and and look, like the, the local dealerships didn't want didn't have it. It was just a you know regular sedan that you know. Popular sedan people are selling, so people in California don't need them. But you know, if there was a, a lot of people who wanted it, and maybe not in the case. I mean, I could have been a red herring, but you know, if it was a case that they learned a lot of people are actually clamoring for certain features on a car, then maybe you know you should actually stock them or 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 produce produce more of them in that certain area. So the idea is that we look at search traffic and say, look, if a lot of people are asking for something or looking for something in a certain region, we can use that as a signal, right? Um, same thing with IE and Edge. One of the things that we, we look at um, is uh, what we call a customer decision journey. So if you're buying a laptop, for instance, you don't just go out and buy it today. Usually, you don't know, do some research. And we found, you know, approximately speaking, you know, t- people typ- typically spend about three months doing it. First month, they're looking at the processor. You know, there's two main competi- two main processor makers out there, and you decide which one you want, as well as if you want dual core, you know, quad core, or whatever. Second month, you're like, okay, now I know I want a quad-core made by this, this, this manufacturer. Which, which machine do I want? And so you go look at different laptops and say, do I want to buy you know, brand A, brand B, brand C? And once you lock down on that, the third month, you're looking at which site you buy it on. Do I go online and buy it, or do I go to a couple of these big box stores and buy the product? And so it's super important to kind of look at this in aggregate, you know, all this stuff we would look at in aggregate. And, um, and the idea is that typically if you understand where people are in their journeys you can help the, the maker know like, what, what to do. So if you're actually the processor maker, it doesn't make sense for you to reach out to talk to them or try to, try to do advertising campaigns with people in the third month of their journey because they've already decided what they're going to buy. On the other hand, if you're you know, the, per- the big box store trying to sell the product, you don't want to reach out to the customer day two because the person's like, hey, hang on, I'm not even sure what, what processor I want, much less you know buy the final product. So, so it's kind of understanding where consumers are in their journey and taking all that data and aggregating it you know, in Internet Explorer and, and the way it works um, is we, it's all opted in and aggregated and anonymized. But um, we can look at, hey, typically, you know, 34% of your users who go through step, phase step A go to, go to go to step B or don't go to step B. So, for instance, one thing I can tell you is that from from to if I tell you that people tend to go from page A to page B and spend a lot more time on second page, that might not be a big deal until you realize that page A is, your, is you and page B is your competitor, Right. And now you suddenly say, oh, OK, now it's interesting to me because people come to my site and the first thing they do is go to my competitor's site and then they spend twice the amount of time at my competitor's site. So can you please give me some insights as to why that is? And maybe, you know, you can look at through the process that people typically on page B have a lot more documents to click on or more, more product information to look at or something. Right. And so that kind of information can be beneficial to go back and say, hey, look, guys, your competitors are more thorough than you. Never better mm-hmm. online footprint, right? That's one example.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. That's good. Tell me, you know, we've heard a lot about AI, and the you know, it's become mm-hmm. kind of a very, very much a marketing buzzword. Yes. Uh, I was I was talking to um, a friend of mine the other day, Scott Duro, and he was telling me about uh, his wife was looking at a toothbrush, and uh, you <laughs> know, as a and it was an AI power toothbrush <laughs> and i'm just right. like oh my gosh you know <laughs> um, it's, it's like marketers are tapping in ai into everything but what i'd like to, to understand is is what part does machine learning specifically play in what you're doing in market insights and then perhaps even um explain the difference between machine learning and deep learning
1: sure so you know i think it's uh, all of our all of our online tech- technologies, you could argue, is machine learning. And the idea is that you, you have information, right? You have training data. And so typically what happens is you, you get um, what we call, you know, mechanical Turk type work. Basically, we have a job that says, can you look at these documents, for instance, and tell me which of these are relevant? So the example I gave you earlier about eagles is maybe I want to know if you pick you know, Philadelphia Eagles. I want to know which of these documents are relevant to Philadelphia Eagles, which are not. So we have human humans who label these and say, "Hey, these pages are relevant; these pages are not." So that's kind of the first step of you know machine learning. So you have training data, and then once you have training data, you can build a model, and then the model, you know, you you, you generate features, and then you go through the process of that, and, and then you 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 have a, a, an algorithm, and then the algorithm can improve on itself by getting more training labels, meaning that. You can pay for more people, you know, we pay for people to humanly do it, but we, one of the benefits of of users is that, you know, we can also use user activity to help inform that because user user behavior is, are implicit labels, right? Like if I show you three pages uh, in your alerts and you click on two of them and not the third one and, and, and assume you like them, then, then the theory is that those two pages are basically a vote in favor of those two. So if you're, you type in Philadelphia Eagles and you click on two pages and not the third, I implicitly can say you you basically are like a a human label saying these first two are relevant and the third one not so relevant. And so we can improve the model through that, in that that regard. Um, We also are looking at at deep learning. I mean, deep learning is kind of another, a newer technology, which the idea is that we talk a little more about understanding features for machine learning. You know, uh, when when you build a model, maybe the features for the egos might be, you know, location, right? Maybe we learn that location is a huge indicator people who are in the north ace part of america you know near philadelphia can kind have an affinity toward it so we had to build the features and then find the feature weights and everything else whereas the idea of deep learning you know in theory is you have a ton of training data and you throw it into a machine right and, and, and a lot of the information is is um is what we call hidden nodes but right? you don't actually know exactly what your what features or different things you're looking at but the machine would automatically give you the best guess of what's relevant and what's not and so so that's kind of the next step. It requires a lot more data, a lot more processing. But, you know, given the, the, the drop in price of computing power and, and GPUs of late, there, there's just a lot more opportunity to, to, to apply deep learning, which is kind of just a, a subset of, you know, machine learning, if you say. I mean, machine learning is basically anything where you have a machine, use a machine to, to, to learn what people are doing. right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. deep learning is just one aspect of it.
0: Yeah, so so what excites you about the future, not necessarily just in market insights here, but um uh-huh. around where um machine learning slash even let's say deep learning is going. Um yeah, what excites you about it?
1: Yeah, I think what's exciting or interesting is just you know making making our lives easier. I mean I think that even initially when the models came out, you know, you get these pop up ads about recommending different things and if they're irrelevant you kinda of think, Oh, they're wasting my time, you know. Uh, but the hope is that these models get better and better, more precise, and ingest more aspects of your your your, your footprint. We can actually provide better recommendations. You know, for instance, if you're an executive, you want to fly. You have a customer in California. They contact you, right? And, and, and then we we provide you information. Hey, this is what this company is about, right? That's the market insights. And then you say, okay, I'm interested. I want to do more. I want to reach out to them. So then we know you reach out to them. So the next thing we do is we actually start doing research in California, right? You know, companies in Southern California, for instance, and we do this. And then let's say they want to, then you want to go fly down and visit them. Then once we know you do that, even implicitly, if we have access to, you know, if you're in the same system, you're using the office network and we see you opt in to allow us to say, Hey, you have on your calendar, you have a trip to LA. Then we can actually start taking information of that and, and further applying recommendations. It's almost like having a, a, a human assistant right that's that's actually that 's actually not human right and I think that that's kind of the goal of you know the machine learning and, and algorithms. I think people worry about like the, the the movies you know where they say you know machines take over the world i think I think that's probably you know farther down the road I think the short term is helping make things better for you you know I think about like self driving cars where that's a great vision, but I think the initial part is helping you be safer right i mean like you, you might not have self driving or some you know most cars have features that help you correct. If you go out of your lane, it tells you you're out of lane. That's actually a self-driving feature, right? But yeah, it's exactly. Just, it's just an assistant rather than it's going to just take over driving your car all the time. Yeah, yeah.
0: Pra- practical AI rather than uh, the visionary future sci-fi, you know, the nature <laughs> of so much of it.
1: That's um, right. I think that that's, that's more realistic. So people don't, people get yeah. scared about all those things. I think it's still, we're still some time away from that, I think.
0: Yeah, agreed, agreed. Tell me. Um, integration with common data services for apps is that on the roadmap what's you thinking around that
1: yeah it's it's something that's a little further down and the idea is you know our product is currently in um in public preview right? and we're going to uh, GA later this year but later after the first release you know we think of market dynamics 365 market insights as a surround app where customers get insights out of the box without needing data you know to upload so you don't have to upload your customer data but so that lets, lets you quickly use MI in conjunction with other products, but longer term, we want to integrate some of these signals into CDS so that they can be extracted when desired into other Dynamics products. So if, let's say once we start adding these insights, a person using the CRM solution can actually say, hey, these are my 11 companies. Pull out from CDS what information you have on these 11 companies yeah. to market insights. I love it. Um, I love it. Yeah. We, we're even going a step further, you know, talking to folks like in the sales team or you say a sales product that we can ingest the sales, we can actually do ourselves in the product. We can do it in integration rather than have the, you pull data from CDS. We can actually have a in-product integration that says, Hey, we can just figure out what your customer sales contacts are. So rather than have you enter topics, brands and products into this, um, alerts product, we can just go ahead and set them up for you and then say, Hey, confirm that you want them and say, Hey, we actually think you might want to get daily alerts on these 11 companies. Do you want these? And then you can pick and choose, but you can auto export any you know, different things you care about. So that's kind of one thing we're thinking about doing next.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Uh, it's been great talking to you, to you uh, Walter. Let's just get on to some quick fire questions before we wrap okay. up because uh, I'm looking forward to actually having some one-on-one time with you because the whole area of machine learning and uh, and deep learning fascinates me and kind of, of where that's going to go. But tell me, what are you currently doing to kind of learn new things? Like what what's kind of, you know, on your radar this year that you're aiming to increase your knowledge on?
1: Yeah, t- technically, I think, uh, you know, learning more about deep learning, you know, that's the new area of machine learning we talked about a little bit earlier. I've been looking recently at these things called um, LSTMs or long short term memory models. And the idea is that it helps you better understand context along short snippets. And that's perfectly what, exactly what we're doing. We're looking at search queries. We're looking at tweets that are 140 characters or less or used to be up until recently. So, you know, that, that that's one area I'm looking at. Non-technically, you know, I, I've been looking at understanding uh, different work styles and different cultures. We have a a good mix of people from different backgrounds on um, our team and so you know seeing how scientists developers and product people from different backgrounds approach problems is quite fascinating i think that the diversity allows us to you know build a more meaningful product for a broader customer base mm, mm,
0: mm, mm, mm. very good very good what's the uh, one thing you've always wanted to do and haven't done yet
1: um i, I want to set foot in all 50 states in the country i know that's wow. not a that's not really as ambitious as a lot of world travelers out there you know but i think just Because I mentioned at the beginning that I grew up in the southeast and midwest and I worked in New England and and the west coast. I've hit about 45 states, so there may be a few more left, hopefully in the next couple of years. Have, have,
0: Have you got an app that you're tracking that with?
1: <laughs> Not yeah. If I should maybe build one, I, no, I just do it there's manually. One, a little there's one, there's one,
0: there's one. It's Is called there? it's called Bean, B E E N and it lists all fifty cool. states in America and you Really? Yeah, so I can see what percentage of America I've seen based on the states I've been in, but I've also oh, then wow. can see what percentage of the world. That's if you're on IOS anyhow, it's uh B E N.
1: Yeah. All right,
0: so, thanks. <laughs> and 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 you get, uh, man, like I'm in Europe at the moment, right? And I am I, I'm just about to hit fifty percent of the countries in Europe, and wow. it definitely motivates me to keep going and seeing, you know. So oh, it's, it's, yes, it's quite exactly. good. When you think of personal success, um, uh, or sorry, a person that's been very successful, um, whether they might not even be alive now, but who comes to
1: mind? Asatia Nadella, who's our CEO, comes first to mind. I think he's given a clear direction to the company. He's given us a new boost of energy to all the employees. I, I think he's helped our company culture a lot by instilling this um, growth mindset. Uh, you know, he, he followed two very prominent CEOs, uh, Bill Gates and Steve Ballmer. So I think that he had to step out of big shadows. And I think he has done that. He took the challenge Absolutely. and um, he's done a great job. And we have a lot of confidence. One yeah. of the things that's been great is also he's been, he's been very supportive about market insights, both himself and, and James. One thing that helps James Phillips, my manager, is that they both share my long, long-standing passion about using web signals and unique ML algorithms to provide unique value to our customers. So I think being on the same page with them has made it easier for us to build out our product. And, you know, it's been fun also because you, you can see that they both appreciate the work we're doing. So awesome. it's great.
0: Awesome. Walter, who could you recommend as a guest uh, on the show for future, particularly around the area of AI, machine learning, somebody in Microsoft, anyone jump to mine? And, and uh, even maybe in the business app space as well.
1: Yeah, I think um, Frank... Rigel is um building out the uh, customer um uh, bot program in yep. AI and he he's one one of my peers and he he's done a lot of interesting work there. Awesome. I think um the Dynamics 365 customer insights area is also interesting. Vig Rajan and um Satis Thomas who's yep. at a GPM um are both um doing you know good work in that area so those are two people you can talk to. Awesome. Um,
0: yeah. Thank you Waldo it's been a pleasure to have you on the show before I let you go if people want to follow you where can they connect with you online?
1: Um you know, I, I use Twitter some. It's under at uh-huh. Walt Fun. Um, I think um, the the blog post I've made on, about our products, you can actually reach out to me through there. I think there's uh, information yep. links there too.
0: Hey, thanks for listening. Have you got an AI story to share? Shout out to me on any of the social media platforms at, at NZ365Guy or hashtag NZ365Guy and we can have a chat. Full show notes can be found at NZ365Guy.com forward slash eighty seven.